0: Well, Razorback fans, I know you always have a lot of questions about NIL. It seems like that's the topic that everybody wants to hear about, especially on this podcast. So do a little deep diving, and we're going to talk about some of the things that I think is going on in NIL, as well as some of the theories that I have and why it's making it such a problem. We'll talk about that, and also uh, Arkansas having some pretty big-time transfers coming in for visits and a lot more coming in as well, and also Arkansas and Missouri tonight in Walton Arena. It's all going to be coming up on today's Locked on Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch you every weekday afternoon from one to four on 1037 the Buzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Wednesday, halfway through the week. Got some Razorback basketball coming up tonight in Bud Walton Arena, which we'll talk about here in just a second. But I, I this is a topic that I have to be extremely careful with. And it's one I've been thinking about for a long time doing. And I've wanted to really do my research and to talk to many different people before I decided to do something like this. In fact, uh, you see in the graphic there, I'm using uh, Jerry Jones's picture as far as the dark side of the NIL. I, I'm using that just for fun. That's not like I know that he does NIL. I don't know what he does or what he's involved in. But I just needed a good picture, and it was hard to, I just got tired of using the same one. So I was like, i ah, throw Jerry in there. He's got money. So uh, but <clears throat> this is something that obviously has been going on not only with Arkansas but with college football in general. You got coaches that are complaining about it, coaches that have issues with it, uh, you know, man, whether it's athletic directors too, teams, players. It seems like there's a lot of complaints going around, but really no end in sight, really no sort of Silver linings to it that could be some sort of future progress or future results that could make it better at this point in time. I think we've all suggested things, but um, the the deal is is that right now with the nil and the transfer portal, it has become so insane to put it mildly. I know here at Arkansas we talk about all the players that Arkansas has had transfer out. which they had uh, uh, another one transfer yesterday, and Trent Gordon, which some people. Uh, we're talking about and bringing up and that brings Arkansas's number to one of the most transferred out schools in the entire country, which, you know, it's not. I think there's a difference between them and A&M because if you look at a and a lot of their players, not the majority of them were like four and five star players where Arkansas, the vast majority of theirs were backups, guys that weren't going to play anyways. They did have a few here and there key contributors, but. I just don't think you can look at the number and say that there's the same problem or the same issue going on there too. And I'm going to be, and I want to be clear about this too, because I know um, there's going to be a lot of things that I'm talking about that either I've heard or that I'm just theorizing behind, uh, just because of I'm putting things together and connecting all this stuff too. So I want to be clear on this from the get go, the stuff that I'm talking about, it does not necessarily mean, or does not like concluded that the fact that Arkansas is involved in these things specifically, I have heard of things. I I've heard of rumors and grumblings, but nothing that I would feel comfortable enough specifically talking about on this podcast. And also nothing specifically going on within the U of a that I have concrete evidence of that I would feel comfortable in sharing. I just want to get that out of the way. I'm working on that though. I have, I'm, I'm going to be setting up some, some uh, some talking points for some people there involved in the in the uh, in the NIL with Arkansas. I'm going to be discussing that with them to get more details, especially uh, you know how what's actually going on, what's not going on, and all of that. And when that happens, and hopefully I can gather enough information, I will relay that and my findings, and release least some things that I think about. So I just want to be clear that these are not things that I think Arkansas is doing, or that I know Arkansas is doing. I don't know. Nobody does. I'm just going to discuss the things that I know of from hearing from reputable, credible people in college football and then talk about the impacts that it could be having at a place like Arkansas. Now, some of this may not be surprising to you. Some of this stuff you may already know, but I still think it's pretty fascinating. And one of the things that I think we all can agree on is that it's madness. You have a situation now where players are entering into the portal more and more and more each and every year. Ever since the portal became a thing, it has grown substantially the amount of players that are going into it and not always their decision to get into it. Sometimes it's coaches' decisions and school decisions, but the number keeps increasing dramatically in the transfer portal. Now, a lot of these players are getting in there because they want to play. There is that element. They just, Maybe they're not playing at the place they're at and they want to play somewhere else. A lot of them are entering in, as we mentioned, because they were told to. They're not going to have a spot at Arkansas so or wherever. And so they're just going in there and to try to find a new spot. And then there are some of them that are going into the transfer portal because of NIL. There's some that are going into the portal because of NIL at their current school isn't what they want or isn't as much as they want. Or maybe they're not feel like somebody else is getting more on the team than what they feel like they deserve. And they deserve more, but they don't have it or they don't were told no. So they go into the portal to try to market themselves to see what type of deal they can get from other teams via NIL. There are those players that have done that. There are those players that have been told, Hey, get into the portal, get into the portal. I know you're with your current team, but if you get into the portal, we'll take care of you. Get in there. We'll have you. We'll we'll come over. And then some of those guys end up going into the portal and transferring to that school. A lot of times it does happen, but there are a lot more that, I believe, and I've heard, have gotten into the portal. And reason being is because some school, some representative, some whatever, talked to him and said, hey, if you get into the portal, we'll have a spot for you. We'll get you taken care of. We have a great opportunity for you. We just need you into that portal. And then that player may go to the school that they're currently at and say, hey, um, I need this if you wanted to keep me because I'm getting offered this at somewhere else. If you want to keep me here, this is what I need. This is what I have to have. And then those coaches or whoever's involved may say yes. Okay, we'll match it. Stay here. And others may say, nah, hit the portal. We'll look somewhere else for you. So then those players are like, okay, well, I'll hit the portal. And all right, hey, I'm in the portal now. So uh, let's sign on that dotted line. Let's give me that scholarship and let's, let's, let's figure this out as far as an I.L. And some of those schools are coming back. And again, when I say schools, I'm not talking about just a, a coach or what a, it could be a booster. It could be anybody. I'm just referring to the whole entity of the school. It could be numerous amount of people or just one person. Don't really know. But whenever that person enters into the portal, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. Give me the papers, I'll sign. Those schools are coming back and saying, well, you know, here's the thing. We have this other guy that actually is about to enter into the portal that plays your position that we actually like better. And we're kind of waiting on him. And if he comes into the portal and he comes to our school, then we're not going to really have a spot for you. Well, hold on. You, you told me that I could come to that school. You told me that if I entered into the portal, I could go there and we'd be good. Yeah, I know what we said, but, you know, things have changed. It, it, it's just gotten to the point where, you know, we we like this guy better and we're going to wait. And so now the player's sitting there like, oh, crap. Well, I, what if I don't get that spot, if I don't get that deal, and i'm missing out on the place i just went to or i came from that had a great deal and a great setup i'm screwed because now i'm what do i do okay well let me go back to the school i was at and say hey hey coach man i'm, I'm sorry you know i i made a mistake getting into the portal I, can i come back and the coaches be like no that was your decision you entered into the portal so move on and so now they're stuck in this purgatory of the portal to where they can probably get some offers and whatnot But it may go to lesser schools. It may be at a place where they don't have as much playing time. And it may be at a place where they get little to no NIL deals. And so when you see some of these players in college football that are entering into the portal. And you can tell there's something up because they were perennial starters. They were big production guys. You keep wondering about, well, why would you enter in the portal when you had such a great year? And why have you not committed anywhere? that's part of the element or could be part of the element of why they're still in the portal but then on the other side of it there are players that are getting told in the same way like same setup of hey you i know you're with your current team Enter in the portal we'll have a spot for you this is what we'll get for you and the player goes okay enters into the portal and then those schools say all right here you go here's the paperwork sign on the dotted line we'll get you here well hold on there uh hold on there playboy uh, I actually got, I, I was told by a representation how much I'm actually worth. And what you offered me is not what I'm worth. In fact, it's a very low number compared to what I was priced at. And so you're going to have to up your ante. If not, I got these other schools that uh, I'm going to be talking to and seeing what they can do. And then those schools are gonna be like, hey, wait a minute. Like the whole reason you got into the portal and you agreed to come here was, was because of this fact that we offered this to you. Yeah, I know. But things have changed. My value has gone up. I'm getting better offers from other schools. And then you have these players who are in the portal just sitting back and waiting to see which schools are really interested and who's going to fork over the best opportunities for them to come to their respective school. So you, it is such a, now again, this is not for every player that it's happening this way. But there is a, certain amount to where you're like, this is going on, whether it's the player being promised by the school and the school not fulfilling it or the school promising it to the player, but the player's not fulfilling it back to them because they're waiting on offers. They're waiting on to see what's going on. Now, again, I, I can't state this enough. That does not mean that any player that's in the portal right now, that's a high quality player are 100 percent doing these things or being a part of these things. some of these players may actually be waiting because they're taking visits to other places. Some of them might be uh, you know wanting to visit certain schools and take their time and make a good decision and get there right before spring ball. like there are some of those that could be in that case and in that in that stratosphere. But it's just you can't tell me that given the certain circumstance of how things are going on in college football, and especially knowing that some of these schools that shall remain nameless, who bragged about the fact that they had so much NIL and then after one year have a mass exodus of players and all those high-quality players are looking to go to other schools for free 99. I know we got NIL, big NIL money at our previous spot, but we're going to go and play at our new school for free. Just give us a scholarship and that's all we want. You can't convince me of that. I'm sorry. You can't do it. And so this has become really the dark side of the NIL that nobody is talking about and nobody really understands what's fully going on. And I don't even understand what's fully going on. Again, I'm just, this is basing it off all on conversations I had with college football people, whether it's writers, whether it's recruiting people, whether it's uh, players and, and families, like I have, you know, stuff like that. It's just stuff I've heard, I've researched, I've read about and. I'm theorizing all of this because I'm trying to put the pieces together. It's basically like a hands-on Gretel thing. I'm picking up the crumbs and trying to see where it leads. And as far as specific examples go, I don't have any. I'll be honest. But it is incredible to me just how nonsensical this has become to the point where it is truly ruining college football. I'm, I'm still one of those that wanted NIL. I think a lot of us are people that wanted NIL. But is this really what people wanted? They want this? I wanted it just to be where if you're a high-quality, big-time player and you're three years out of school and you start showcasing how big of a brand you are, that you should be able to make money on that brand, with that school, through that school, and get paid for the greatness that you provide. That's what I want. Like, I use the example of Darren McFadden. Darren McFadden, three years at Arkansas, you know how much money he could have made? You know how much money he should have made? That's what it should be about. But we all knew what it was going to turn into. It was going to turn into this where people are just bringing in people saying, hey, here's your check. Here's your check. Here's your check. And then if they don't get what they want or if the, maybe it's in some cases these schools don't have the checks that are clearing, they say, I'm out. I'm going somewhere else. And then who's left holding the bag? The schools. Because there are even instances, and this is something that you can even read about, that people put out articles about and, and research that there are some cases where schools aren't being able to have the money and the funds that they promised to certain players. And also there are times to where, for instance, a school a year ago may have spent total of a million dollars on NIL to get a bunch of good players in. But now a million dollars won't even give them one high quality player. And so now they're like, well, crap. So we got to get some guys in here. So what do we do? Well, unless you pay up. And I think that sometimes players overvalue themselves. I think their representation overvalues them too. But you found this conundrum to where it's so wild. Like I know it keeps calling it the wild west because that's truly what it is. There are no rules. There are no regulations. There are no, there's no accountability. There's no responsibility. And there's no transparency. It is truly just under the table, behind closed doors, This, that and the other don't know what and and there's so many people involved because it's not as simple as just a coach and a player. It has become where it's players, players, families, players, representations, coaches, assistant coaches, boosters, administration, like the involvement and the amount of people that are involved in this whole thing is just insane. It's absolutely insane. So, again, maybe some of the things that I just brought to your attention, you already knew. Maybe you're like, okay, duh. Of course, that's what's going on. We already knew that. Maybe so. But when you're breaking it down like that and you really start to look at it in that light, I I just can't imagine. I cannot imagine being a coach at this point in time or being a, a school at this point in time or a player at this point in time and navigating through this. It's insane. Hopefully, it gets fixed. Hopefully, it changes. Hopefully, it uh, ends up being something that can make the product better. But I'm sorry there's not a single person in the world that can convince me that what's going on right now in college football, especially is okay. That it's fine. That it's good. That it's good for the schools. It's good for the players. It's good for everybody. There's not a single person that can convince me. Otherwise, this is not good for anybody. It needs to be fixed and we'll see if it actually ever ends up getting done. Went really long there, but I got to tell you about betonline.net being your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. So get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball into the World Cup, they've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get all your sports betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more over at BetOnline, where the game starts. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so continuing on with the Locked On Razor podcast, some of you have already saying about the transfer portal, hey, Arkansas is losing all these players, but when in the world is it going to be their turn to start getting some players in? Well, just, just be patient. I know I keep saying that, but be patient because here's the thing. Arkansas actually has put out some offers, and they're also getting some visits from uh, some people this weekend. Uh, one of them being uh, one of the nation's most wanted transfers, wide receivers, Hillside or Hillsdale College transfer, Isaac Tesla. I, mean, I don't know if it's Tesla. It's T E S L A A. I don't know if it's Tesla, but I'm calling him Tesla because that's pretty cool. But uh, he told Hog uh, Sports via an Instagram message that he'll be in Fayetteville for a 48 hour official visit beginning Thursday. The NCAA's five day window for transfers wishing to enroll at midterm opens Wednesday morning. So, today at the recording of this podcast and five days from now that's all the time you have to start signing some guys and getting them enrolled into the midterm now you're probably like who in the world is a hillsdale college transfer well he's 64210 gifted athlete and here are the offers that he has out of the portal iowa iowa state oklahoma state baylor nebraska miami houston and wisconsin Ole miss texas a&m colorado arizona and purdue seems pretty good to me and arkansas needs wide receivers desperately So uh, he's a guy that Arkansas is going to get an official visit for. Uh, Also, another transfer, another uh, wide receiver, this time Oregon transfer, Dante Thornton, he's expected to visit the Razorbacks today and tomorrow, according to hogsports.com. He's 6'4", 230. He's a former top 100 signee out of Baltimore, and he was the Ducks' fifth leading receiver in 2022, had 17 receptions for 366 yards and a touchdown. Uh, He took visits to Miami and Auburn, and he can make multiple visits during the upcoming transfer portal window. So they're getting a visit from him. And also uh, an, an offer was made to Kane Barong, a 6'3", 243-pound sophomore tight end who's transferring from Notre Dame. He's a four-star prospect. Uh, since entering the portal, he has offers from Pittsburgh, uh, Georgia, uh, Toledo, SMU, Cincinnati, Memphis, New Mexico, a few places there as well. And it's just getting started. Like There's going to be a lot more visits that I'm sure we're going to read about going to be a lot more offers that I'm sure we're going to read about, but you can follow them on uh, hogsports.com and check them out and be sure to subscribe to them because they do a phenomenal job with it all. But the, the point is, is that you're going to get some players that uh, are going to come out of this portal and it, you're going to f- put together a team. Now, do we know what exactly it's going to look like at this point in time? No, we don't. Some of these players that are visiting, it can get you excited about it. like, oh, okay, I can't wait to see this. But at the same time, it's like, well, you got to wait. Uh, and see if it actually ends up transpiring that way. But here's another little uh, reasons, I would say, to just hang tight and uh, see how it all uh, plays out. Because if you remember last year, for Arkansas's transfers that they got in, listen to these transfers, because almost every single one of them contributed in a major way. Matt Landers, Terry Hampton, Jordan Dominic, Latavius Brini, Cade Fortin, Dwight McLaughlin, Drew Sanders, Landon Jackson, Jaden Hazelwood. Really, besides Cade Fortin, who did play a little bit this year, Every other player uh, that was listed on the transfer portal either started or played significant roles on the Razorback football team this past year. And some of them are coming back, like Landon Jackson, Dwight McLaughlin. Both those guys are coming back. Uh, Unfortunately, Landers, Hampton, and uh, Sanders, and Hazelwood, they're all moving on to try the NFL. You know, Jordan Dominic ended up transferring or getting into the transfer portal there, too. So you're missing out on a few of them, but you're going to try to add that into the mix. But remember that a lot of these players too, folks, they didn't sign during the early part of these, uh, like transfer portal window. Like some of these guys tra- ended up signing in January, but some of them weren't until May and March even. And I am trying to, to double check it. Cause I'm looking at the, the time frame. Yeah. Like for instance, Matt Landers, we know how great he was for Arkansas. You know, when he transferred May 16th, he didn't come in until May. So that was a, a late addition for Arkansas. Now, Jordan Dominic ended up being uh, a player that really helped out Arkansas, too. He didn't transfer until March 7th when he finally decided to come to Arkansas. So you're talking about two months from now is where you could have some players that end up coming in. Um, Now, there were some other guys, too, like uh, Dwight McLaughlin. He ended up January 16th is when he came in to play for Arkansas. Drew Sanders, who was a humongous get for Arkansas, January 16th is when he decided to transfer. Jaden Hazelwood, looking at him and what he's did, uh, he did transfer early. He's December 5th, like right out of the gate, he ended up transferring in. So uh, he was an early signee. But uh, Landon Jackson was another one. I think he's going to be a good defensive lineman for Arkansas. He was pretty close to it at December 12th. Um, so the point is, is that you're going to have some guys that have already transferred in, like we see right now. Terry Hampton, other ones, May 5th. May 5th is when he transferred. So my point in saying all this is that there are going to be times where you're going to have some transfers that come in right off the bat early. But if you look at some of the history of some of these players that have come in for Arkansas, at least last year, it wasn't as soon as January started. I know that there's they have changed some rules as so far as windows and when you can and when you can't and when you enroll and all that. But folks... There's a lot of time, a lot of time, and I would even make the argument that three of the most, uh, three of the, three of the most impactful players that you had in the transfer portal last year didn't come until May to March or March to May, and then you had two of the biggest ones, I would say, including Drew Sanders, was until mid-January. So just relax. Let's see how it plays out. You could get some really big time players out of this portal. Will it be as big as last year? Don't know. But just because you don't have them right now doesn't mean they're not coming. Just wait, and who knows? Maybe January 16th this year you'll have a bunch of big-time commitments. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Going to do a little Razorback baseball, or basketball, I should say, previewing with Arkansas and Missouri coming up here on the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so final segment here on the Locked On Razorback Podcast, Arkansas and Missouri tonight in Bud Walton Arena. Should be an exciting one as it is the first time in almost 30 years that Arkansas and Missouri have both been ranked when they have faced off against each other. Arkansas is ranked at 13th. Missouri is at 20th. And uh, his game's going to be at 7:30 on the AS- SEC Network, or, which I love the SEC Network. I love my people over there at the SEC Network. But man, the fact that you have a top 20 game on the SEC Network and not like an ESPN or something like that's kind of weird. But still, uh, should be a great game, nonetheless. Uh, Arkansas leads the all-time series, 32 to 26, so not as close as what people would think. But uh, Arkansas is also eight and two in Bud Walton Arena uh, during the time of them being an SEC play—that is Missouri. So. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Arkansas. This is another crazy thing too. So this is going to be the 98th time in Razorback history that a ranked Arkansas team will play a ranked opponent. But Arkansas is 47 and 50 in such games, but they're 17 and 5 in such games at home. Uh, so this one's going to be a tough matchup. And, and if you don't believe me, just look at the numbers here. Missouri is, and this is as far as in the SEC, SEC where they rank, Missouri is number one in field goal percentage, number one in fast break points number one in steals, number one in turnover margin, and number three in scoring margin. So they like to move. They like to move quickly. They like to move fast. They they turn you over a lot. They don't turn it over as much, and they hit their shots. Arkansas, though, is number two in field goal percentage, number two in fast break points, number three in steals, number three in turnover margin, and number two in scoring margin. So very comparable there. And Missouri's also beaten two straight ranked opponents. They beat... uh Illinois, and then they beat Kentucky. Now, granted, Kentucky's not that good, uh, as we're tra- starting to find out. And uh, those both those games were at home for Missouri. But this is a game that Arkansas really needs to win. Because remember a few years? Now, I'm not saying really needs to win as far as, oh, not making the tournament. Like, I'm not saying that. But if Arkansas is legitimately wanting to compete for the SEC title, regular season title, and a number one overall seed, or at least a number one seed in general, you have to win these games. And so this is one that Arkansas has to has to take care of business because then you go on the road to Auburn and then you have Alabama at home. So it doesn't get really easier going forward. But I feel like, and I even had Coach Z, uh, Matt Zimmerman, on my show yesterday, and discussing it, where if you really look at it from the perspective of what you need to do in SEC play in order to win the conference, you got to win 14 games. You got to go 14 and four for you to win this conference. Now last year, I think Auburn was kind of the exception rule. They went 15 and three. And there will be some times you'll have a team that goes undefeated like Kentucky did. But usually if you look at history, 14 and four is kind of the mark of where you need to get to, to win the sec. And in order for Arkansas to do that, they have to do two things when it comes to home games and road games in the conference, they have to win every home game. You have to go nine and oh, every home game you should win this year. I don't want to see some stupid game against Vanderbilt where you lose. I don't want to see some stupid game against Missouri that you lose you should beat those teams, you should have beat those teams the past two years. you should have been undefeated at home. This is the year you need to go undefeated the entire way. It's not saying it'll be easy, but you should. So Arkansas needs to win this game because they need to go nine and0 and then five and four on the road, which is not completely and totally impossible. The problem is is that Arkansas already dropped a game on the road to LSU to start the year. and that was uh, that was dumb. But so you got three more, you can only you really only got about three more losses here if you still want to win the SEC, And if you're looking at it from, you know, the rest of the way, especially on your road games, at Alabama, at Tennessee, and at Auburn, those are going to be your three toughest ones. And even if you lose those, you got to win the rest of them. So it's really a small margin right here as far as uh, to be great or to be – and, again, I'm not talking about just going to the tournament or having a good season or anything like that because they've lost games at home before to bad teams and they had great years. So I'm not saying that. I'm just talking about if you want to win the SEC. Which Arkansas is capable of, and they're good enough to do it. These are the games you got to win. These are the games you got to take care of. No Nick Smith tonight, so uh, you know just there's no update on that. But I still think Arkansas is good enough, talented enough, and ticked off enough out of that performance against LSU to come out and win this game. So I predict they'll win. I think it'll be a high scoring, or not a high scoring affair, but it'll be a fun up and down game. But it's going to come down to Arkansas's defense. If Arkansas's defense takes care of business against Missouri. They got a good offense, but if Arkansas's defense suffers them or suffocates them, Arkansas is going to win. So I think Arkansas wins this one. I think they win by 12 points. I really do. I think they're going to come out hot. I've had a week to have it little, like sit with them. And they're going to make sure that they take care of business at home for sure. Appreciate everybody listening into Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then.